What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the preview podcast for week two in the NFL. This is the All In Man Cave podcast. I'm Cole Haight. I'm your host. I hope everybody's having a great Friday. It's 2 p.m. Friday in Pennsylvania on the Eastern Time Zone. Don't not sure exactly where you guys are listening, uh, but we're gonna we're gonna go right into the games in this mostly in this podcast. But first, uh, before we go into the games, we are going to do a quick recap of the Thursday night football thriller between the New York Giants and the Washington Football Team. God, I love saying Washington football team. They should definitely stick with that name. But so we're gonna we're gonna go through a few things in that game, and then we're gonna do uh, the re the re sorry not the recap, but the preview for all the week two games and the best bets in terms of the spreads, which teams to take, and the over unders as well. So I named I'm gonna name this podcast from now and moving forward. Rattle them off. So I'm gonna give you guys the the bets for each game. I'm going to give you the reasons why I feel the way I do, and I'm going to give you, the, like I said, the spread odds uh, for each team and what they currently are, and the over-unders as well. So let's talk a little bit about the Thursday night football game between the, the New York football giants and the Washington football team. Washington football team comes out on top 30-29. to 29. This game was uh, pre- projected honestly to be not that good of a game to watch. I happened to watch about three quarters of it uh, before I had to, to head to bed because I had to get up early for work. However, great game to watch, and we've learned a few things about both of these teams. And it's not really that we've learned them, but it's been consistent since week one. So going into the season. With my divisional recaps and everything that I've seen via social media or anywhere in terms of the NFL, the Giants and the Washington football team considered highly good on defense with some questions on their offense. So this game was the complete opposite of that. Over-under was 42.5, and, and 30-29 to 29 gives you a total of 59, which means they blew the over out of the water. So anybody who bet the over... I didn't get a chance to talk about it on the podcast on Wednesday. I did make a best I did make a bet on this game. I did take the Giants plus three and a half and the over. So I did hit on that. I wish I would have told you guys. I completely forgot about it when I was recording the podcast. So apologize. Hopefully my picks for week two you guys can take advantage of because I'm not gonna miss any in the <laughs> during this podcast. But one thing we did I did take away is Saquon is not healthy. And not only is he not healthy, but that offensive line is atrocious. And and I, I don't even see the point of putting him on the field. So Daniel Jones was the leading rusher for the New York Giants, had a long 46-yard touchdown run. That should not be happening. You have a top five pick that you've drafted at running back that claims he's 100% healthy. I don't believe it, but he claims that that should not be happening and they were under he was under pressure they were breaking down the offensive line through the Washington defensive line they were getting getting pressures and it, it didn't seem like the Giants were the Giants that everyone expected them to be now I called that out I made multiple comments and some people agree some people don't that Daniel Jones is playing for his job and playing for a contract at the same time Mike Lennon's back he's a he's a a journeyman who can come in and act and and play probably pretty decent, to be honest with you. Um, it, Daniel Jones has till Thanksgiving, and he might even be on a shorter leash than that. And that's what I've been sticking to 
since uh, since the middle of the offseason, even since before the draft. So I've been sticking with the fact that Daniel Jones is on a short leash, and he proved it last night. The only thing that they got, the Giants got out of this game that was positive was that Daniel Jones is way more mobile than people think he is. He's known for that long 80-yard run. He got tackled at like, or he tripped over his own feet, going almost going into the end zone. I forget who were their, who they were playing in that game. Honestly, might have been the Eagles. I'm not positive, but the the Giants look bad and even weirder that we've learned through this is that the Washington defense is not as good as people are were saying either. Washington is giving up multiple multiple big plays. They're they're not containing the quarterback. Their defensive line is getting pushed, but it seems like they're not able to get the quarterback on the ground. Chase Young had a big sack, but it was negated by a roughing the passer call that was penalty that was really really ticky tack. And I don't wouldn't have called it if I was a ref, but I've seen really bad calls so far, and we've only we're only one week and one game into this season, and I've already seen that these referees are going to be calling ticky tack fouls all day long, and for most of these games, honestly. So Taylor Heineke looked good. Washington football team quarterback looked good. I did make uh, my hot take of the Washington football team not going out and trying to get a quarterback in free agency. Whether or not they think that Ryan Fitzpatrick is the answer or not, I've said to stick with Taylor Heineke. I've seen a lot of him in preseasons, which you could say is irrelevant. Uh, However, it's multiple years. Multiple years he was on the Vikings practice squad as a backup quarterback. In the late teens, the late 2010s is what I should say. He was there for multiple years. So I've seen him. He he's not a terrible quarterback. He's relatively small. His arm is it looks like it's gotten better. It looks like he's worked on it. So not not too bad. And I think he's going to do well for them moving forward because I think that their defense is going to find their way at some point, and they have a way better chance at doing that than the Giants do. The Giants right now through two weeks look like they're making really bad decisions. And it looks like they're going to be in the bottom five in terms of teams in the NFL by the end of the season if they continue the play the way they've been. So we'll keep an eye on the Giants. I Listen, my dad's a Giants fan. He, he told me last night he was over at my house. Listen, I don't buy me any more Giants stuff. I don't want any. My team's embarrassing. Listen, my dad's a boomer, so he, I would expect that. Sorry for all you boomers out there if you're listening, but my dad's the typical stereotypical boomer so he's he's been pissed at his team forever even back when they had Eli he was talking crap on Eli all the time listen the Giants will be okay they need to address the offensive line and I think the defense is going to come around I don't think there's much they can do about it now but Daniel Jones is going to continue to try and play for his job and I don't I don't know if there's anything he can do to honestly get it back unless he has multiple stellar Patrick Mahomes like games is the only way I can see Daniel Jones having the starting job by the end of the season few fantasy updates Saquon did not do much had one long run everything else he was stuffed up the middle Antonio Gibson didn't do much either Heineke had over 300 yards passing uh, I have Logan Thomas as a tight end in fantasy so he did okay, got me nine and a half, five catches for 45 yards. Strangest thing and the best thing that I got for the from the football team in this game is that Heineke and McLaurin have a great connection. 14 targets. He caught 11 for 107 in a TD. Looks like and he was he was against James Bradbury, too, which is the best corner on the Giants. So 
good things coming from Terry McLaurin. He's I've I've said this multiple times, and I think it was earlier in the earlier in the life of my podcast in the offseason. Terry McLaurin's one of the most underrated wide receivers in this league. Out of Ohio State, he's a great route runner, great hands. He beat James Bradbury up and down the field. Every route he ran, he had separation. And if Heineke puts it on him for the other three targets he didn't catch, he catches those as well. So, great win by the Washington football team. Basically, if you guys didn't see the game, Dexter Lawrence, the one of the defensive linemen for the Giants, hopped off sides on the game-winning field goal. The Washington football team were down by two, and they went for the field goal uh, encroachment. He was defense was offsides. They missed the field goal then, but then after the five yard penalty, he nailed it to win for them to win by one. So Dexter Lawrence, great player. It, it, stuff like this happens, and it seems like it always happens to teams that are on the downward spiral or on a downturn in their in, in their in their career or what have what have you. Dexter Lawrence is young. So he's going to learn from this, and he's going to be fine. He's a great defensive lineman. So kudos to the Washington football team for winning that game. Uh, I think that they're going to be a force to reckon to be reckoned with. It seems like teams that have a, a better defensive scheme and a better and better defensive players do better in November and December. It seems to be like that everywhere but Minnesota. So I hope that they they find a way to bounce back because like I did pick them to win the division at se- at ten and seven and I think I'm right on track with that even even if Ryan Fitzpatrick doesn't come back in and they stick with Heineke. All right, let's start the projections and the best bets for all the games for Week Two. We're gonna start with the Bengals at the Bears. So the Bengals came out hot against Minnesota. Defense looked good. Now, this could go one of two ways. Minnesota's offensive line looked very weak in that game, and it didn't seem like because Kirk Cousins had no time to throw, it, the, it made the secondary look better. This always seems to happen, and it seems to be like an average thing that is, is a conception of the NFL where – if your defensive line and the front seven have a way of getting to the quarterback quicker, your secondary doesn't have to be that good. You could have Madden-rated 60s players playing in the secondary at corner and safety, and if your defensive line is getting to the quarterback quick, it doesn't matter how good they are. The quarterback's never going to find them. It's never going to find them. So let's see how the bank. So the Bengals' defense, I think, is a little overrated. I watched the game, and I honestly saw a few players that I didn't even know played for them. So they got a woozy, the corner from the Dallas Cowboys. They have a lot of players. They got Von Bell that used to play for the New Orleans Saints, a pretty decent player back in the back end. Their linebackers are a little weak, but their front their front four was getting getting to the quarterback. And it seemed like it seemed like they were gonna to put pressure on anyone. It looked like the effort was there, whereas where Minnesota's offensive line, it didn't seem like the pressure was there. It didn't seem seem like they were concentrated. So, I we'll see. I honestly, the Bears scare me because the worst thing you want to see about a football team that already has distractions is another distraction. But they have this whole thing where it feels like the fans and the players want Justin Fields to start, but he's not starting. And it seems like the players are taking it out with their own game performance. 
I saw a video online via Facebook. I was checking my Facebook, just some some random NFL clips and whatnot, and I came across a video of Eddie Jackson not literally visibly not trying on Sunday Night Football. He didn't want to get any. He didn't want to get involved. No tackling. No coverage. It seemed like he didn't even want to be on the field. Now that could be one of that could be one of multiple reasons. The reasons that come to my mind right away is he just got paid. Why do you want to go tackle a huge wide receiver and put your head near their kneecap if you if now you're getting twelve million dollars a year? It's a human instinct reaction. Now players in the NFL normally are way more competitive than that and don't care because they're playing the game they love, which is what everyone thinks happens. That's not what happens with everyone. Hard. To, I'm sorry to break it to everyone, but that's not what happens. Once you get paid, you get paid. If I made it in the NFL, I want to be a backup punter. I'm collecting game checks and never coming in the game because I do not want to get decapitated by a 380-pound lineman on a, on a pump block that I may or may not have to tackle a dude that's twice as big as me. They're, they're, uh, that's just my way of. T- I'm a huge fan. I would never last in the NFL as a player, never personally. So it's it's kind of hard if you haven't been there or been around that to see how that happens. I know it happens. I've never obviously seen it because I haven't worked in the NFL or been close enough to NFL players. But Eddie Jackson doesn't even look like he's trying, and that could just be because he does he disagrees with Matt Nagy for starting Andy Dalton. Andy Dalton is not as good as Justin Fields, and J- you, Justin Fields proved that he's better than him. Not even in the regular season, in the preseason as well. So I, the bet and and the Bears' defense looks looks weak. They look terrible. They the coverage broke down multiple times. Cooper Cup's open by twenty yards on that touchdown. I, there's three guys just like looking. There's memes all over the internet right now, all over the internet of Cooper Cup being open by twenty yards. It's it was it's unbelievable. So. With that in mind, my pick for this game is Bengals plus two and the under of 45 and a half. I think that these teams aren't going to score. It's not going to be a shootout because the offenses will struggle a bit. But the Bengals plus two, if the either team that wins, it's it's going to come down to I think a one point game either way, swinging either way, which is why I would rather lean towards Cincinnati and take the Bengals plus two. All right, next game, the Bills at the Dolphins. Bills coming off a disappointing loss to the Pittsburgh Steelers, and the Dolphins coming coming up after beating the Patriots within the division, and now they have an opportunity to go 2-0 in the division. Now, this would be very impressive to not only me, but a lot of other football fans out there. If Tua Tonga-Vailoa comes out and starts 2-0 in the division and beats Bill Belichick and Josh Allen, this would be very impressive. Now, Tua's never going to be the guy who throws for 400 yards and carries an offense. Tua's a game manager. He manages the game, and he's going to win you games as long as he doesn't do anything stupid. We saw him do multiple stupid things last year, and he was coming off the hip flexor. So with that being said, he was less mobile. He couldn't step into throws as much. It's – well, I, I believe in Tua, and for this reason – if not only, but one of, is Will Fuller is back this week. Now, the Patriots' defense does have a push, and their defense is pretty good, but they do lack in the cornerback position because Stephon Gilmore is not there. Stephon Gilmore is hurt. He is not in in the game. Listen, Will Fuller, Devontae Parker, and Jalen Waddell are going to be 
if Tua can get three seconds of play to drop back and throw the ball, I feel like Miami has a decent. I feel like Miami has a decent chance to win this game. The problem is, I think their defense outperformed what the average performance of their defense was in Week One, and they took advantage of a rookie quarterback. So I think Josh Allen needs to is going to step it up. And the only reason they're going to do this is I think they're going to get the play action game back in. They're going to roll J- uh, Josh Allen out, and he's going to start finding Stephon Diggs on multiple long passes. The Bills need to bounce back. They had a very off week one. They did not. They underperformed more than I, the more than I think they actually could in that game, even with uh, a Steelers defense who they did lose a few players, but they have a lot of big leadership on that team, and they have a lot of great players still on that defense. So yes, their offense may be a question with Big Ben. However, I think the Bills. It thoroughly expected them to win that game, and I think Sean McDermott's going to coach this team into a victory. So my pick for this game is the Bills minus three, and we're going to take the under of 47.5. I think these defenses battle it out. I think the Bills over the Bills defense overperforms this week, and the Dolphins defense underperforms. So if I had to make my best guess, it's going to be a low-scoring game, and the Bills win by five, which is why I took the minus three. All right, next game, the Patriots at the Jets. Holy crap, the Jets are in trouble. I, last podcast, I said I felt bad for him. I really do now. So Bill Belichick's record against rookie quarterbacks is 21-6. and six. Zach Wilson is going to have a hard time finding any anything in this game. It's going to be, it's going to be very hard for him. And the question is, Bill Belichick knows not only how to play these rookie quarterbacks, but he also knows how to coach the defense to exploit everything that they think that they could possibly do in this game. They're going to double Corey Davis depending on – they're going to double a lot of a lot of players on this team if they come back from COVID or come back from injury. But if Corey Davis is the only solid wide receiver like, like it was in week one on the field, you know he's going to get a safety over the top. Now, the offensive line for the Jets is completely decimated. Like I said, Mekhi Becton, he's, he's going to be out for two months. So they're going to have to figure this out, and I'm not as sure exactly how they're going to plug and play some backup tackle to beat Bill Belichick. I don't think that that's even a possibility. So I'm going with the Patriots in this game, minus 5.5. I think that's a steal at minus 5.5. And then I'm going to go with the over. I have this game as a potential game where the Patriots get up by a decent amount and then we have some garbage time stuff going on. So if I'm aiming for like a score, I'm going for like 31 to 17 Patriots take the victory. All right, next on the list, Saints at the Panthers. Famous Jameis continues? I think so. So um, honestly, I'm not okay with the way the Saints played week one in terms of to expect that moving forward. So Jameis is going to be good. I think in, like I've said multiple times, I think that Jameis is good, is better as a game manager than a than a, an arm slinger. I, he, he can game manage in that offense, and I think Sean Payne's offense is perfect for him so that he doesn't make the stupid mistakes he did in Tampa. But 
this is a divisional game for them, and the divisional games in the NFC South are always extremely close. Sorry, usually extremely close. And these teams play well against each other. I think the Saints' defense, similar to my last comment about the Dolphins' defense against the the, the Patriots last week, I think they overperformed against Aaron Rodgers, and I think it was more of a lack of skill and lack of concentration from the Green Bay offense versus the New Orleans defense. So I think this game is going to be relatively close. Now, as of right now, it's three. The, the, the spread is three, and it's the Saints minus three. I don't feel comfortable with that. And the reasons why I don't is I think that without Marshawn Lattimore in the I don't think Marshawn Lattimore is going to play, and if he does, he's not going to be at 100%. I think that the weapons on the Carolina Panthers via DJ Moore, via Robbie Anderson, and Christian McCaffrey even coming out of the backfield, I think they're going to be able to put up a decent amount of points that people aren't expecting. So I'm not comfortable taking the Saints minus three. However, uh, if you could parlay this and get a little bit better odds to make more money, please do. But I'm going to go with the Saints money line in this. I, like I said, I the division games, it's so hard to take a minus, and a, even a minus three. Division games are always close. Even with the Vikings and the Packers, it's always close, even though Green Bay is normally typically as a better team, especially in the past decade. Um, so I'm going to go with the Saints money line in this game, and I'm going to go with the over of 44 and a half. Like I said, I think the Panthers offense puts up points, and I think the Saints defense puts, or Saints offense puts up points too. But it's going to be a big day from these running backs. Kamara and McCaffrey are going to have big days in terms of fantasy. So if you have one of those players, you're going to be pretty excited. But if you are playing against one of those players this week in fantasy, you're going to be pretty pissed. All right, moving on. The 49ers at the Philadelphia Eagles at the link. Got a few friends that are heading down to this game this week. It's going to be crazy down Philadelphia. I still have not gone to that stadium because... I, it's going to be the last stadium that I ever go to trying to go to all all the state the NFL stadiums uh, by the time I die it's on my bucket list so Philadelphia will be the last one I go to and if you guys know anything about me you know exactly why um, so the 49ers cannot cannot continue to have these they cannot continue to have these injuries and it's nothing against them it's just it, it, they just got the injury bug that's what it is. Everybody keeps getting hurt now. Mostert's out, off for the season. I made uh, need to make a correction to my podcast. The, the news broke after I released the pod, after I recorded the podcast. Raheem Mostert's supposed to be out eight weeks. He's now out for the season because he's going to have sin- surgery. So Raheem Mostert out for the out for the season. Uh, Jason Verrett out for the season. So listen, the Eagles came out hot. In week one, but they were playing the Atlanta Falcons. Okay? The Atlanta Falcons defense is horrific. They don't have any big playmakers. They have maybe two players on that team that are solid and can make plays on a regular basis. So for somebody to sit up here and be like, as an Eagles fan, and be like, I'm so satisfied and I know our team's going to go deep in the playoffs now because we beat the Falcons by 26, that's a joke. That's a joke. I'm sorry. It just is. So Jalen Hurts played well. I'm not taking away from the players. Uh, that that's not what I'm doing. I'm not taking it away from the team. It's a good. It's a win that they needed to get, and they did it, and they all performed well. 
And I'm happy for those players that performed well. But for fans to come out and be like, okay, now they're going to win the division, that's 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 ridiculous. It's horse hockey is what it is. So, like I said, what's he doing against this real defense? Like, even decimated by injuries, the 49ers defense is stout, especially in their front seven. Fred Warner, uh, Buckner. Buckner left. So, listen, the, Buckner leaving really hurt them last year. And he was gonna he was a massive body in the middle of that defense, but their coaching staff on the and the way that the Kyle Shanahan handles this team is way different than an Atlanta Falcons team right now. Way different. Hundred percent different. And listen, the the Eagles playmakers showed up more than anybody expected via Kenneth Gainwell and Devontae Freeman. Sorry, not Devontae Freeman, Devontae Smith. They had a really good week one. I like the way they played, and I like their fight in the game. So I'm going to do something that I've never done in the history of forever, and I'm going to pick the Eagles' money line even though they're not favored in this game. If you want to make money, I'm going to go with the Eagles' money line. Money line. It's in Philadelphia. West Coast teams that travel to the East Coast have a terrible record in the past two decades. Terrible if you take anybody from L.A. and you bring them to the East Coast, it's an early game. It's a 1 o'clock game. So it's going to be weird. It's always weird for West Coast teams. And the Eagles lost to them their last three meetings. I think the Eagles sneak a win out here. And you're going to get decent odds if you go on DraftKings or FanDuel or whatever you use as your platform to make sports bets. I think you're going to get a decent You're going to get a decent line. I think that the 49ers offense is going to struggle. There's issues with Brandon Ayuk. He was their number two wide receiver last year. He's now like their fifth-ranked wide receiver on the depth charts. People are talking about how there's attitude issues in the and Kyle Shanahan is having an issue with his attitude on the, in practice. And there's just a bunch of drama going on. And I think that I think that this is the this is the time for the Eagles to steal one and for you guys to bet on it. So I'm taking the Eagles money line in this game. And I'm taking the under of 49. I think this game comes down to like a 24 to 21 game at the end. And I think the Eagles are going to kick that field goal to take the victory. Moving on, the Raiders at the Steelers. Both really weird and uncharacteristic wins in week one. Raiders went to Baltimore. Sorry, they were at home. They were at home against Baltimore, snuck a win out in in OT. Derek Carr looked amazing. Their defense played good enough against the Ravens, and the Steelers came out of nowhere. Everybody's uh, lacking lacking confidence in the Steelers' defense with Bud Dupree leaving and a bunch of their corners leaving. Their defense played amazing against Josh Allen, but I think both of them come back to life a little bit. And back to back to Earth, whereas they were up in up in the up in the solar system somewhere, they were playing higher than than, than expected. So that's the thing, though. Do 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 you trust the Steelers' run game to get back in it? Because Najee Harris had a terrible day last week, terrible day against a Bills defense who, don't get me wrong, is not in the bottom half of the league, but it's not towards the top half either. They couldn't do anything on the ground. And Big Ben's getting older. He's a little bit less mobile now. They saw what happened last year when they couldn't run the ball. Now they're are they going to be able to run against against the Raiders? That's the question. So I think 
that this game is going to come down to can the Raiders play as well as they did against a team not decimated by injuries uh, in terms of the Steelers' defense? And can the Steelers get a run game so that their 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 pass game can succeed? If not, you saw what happened last week. They couldn't run the ball. Big Ben doesn't even throw for 200 yards in the whole game. Now, I think that this, this spread is a little bit inflated. So, for this game, I see Derek Carr trying to continue the success he had with Brian Edwards and Hunter Renfro. Henry Ruggs and Darren Waller as well. I think he's going to try and fit balls into tight windows. I think some of them are going to get picked off, um, and he's going to make some bad decisions like your typical Derek Carr the past three years. But I don't think he plays as I definitely don't think he plays as well as he did last week. There's no way, not against the Steelers defense. And if he does, then anybody in the AFC West or has is a fan of a team in the AFC West better watch out because the Raiders are real. Then if they beat the Steelers. However, I think the Steelers edge this one out, but I think it's a close game. I'm going to take the Raiders plus six and a half, and I'm going to take the under of 47. I think the the Raiders pass rush last week and the way they were able to kind of contain Lamar Jackson and force the turnovers makes me believe that this is going to be a lower scoring game because Pittsburgh's going to do the same thing on the other side. So this is going to be a lower scoring game, meaning I'm taking the under. All right, next game, the Rams at the Colts. I think Stafford rolls in this game. Their run game is going to be good against the Colts front. They didn't really put up a fight, nor did uh, Seattle last week put up a lot of run statistics against them. But I think the Colts are going to count on Matt Stafford coming out hot and throwing a lot, which is what they did against the Bears. So the Bears front four is very strong against the run and they were able to do at least something on the ground. They had a rush touchdown, and I think they had about 100 rushing yards as a team. So I think they come out and they do enough to get it done, but I think their performance drops a little from what everybody projected them as the last week number one in the league Rams. Listen, they played the Bears. The Bears are not the best team in the world. You, 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 need, you don't even need eyes to know that especially with podcasts being out nowadays. But what I'm saying is the Colts on defense and on offense are completely decimated. They're missing their they're, – they're basically two, one of, two of their best five players right now in T.Y. Hill and, and Xavier Rhodes, former Minnesota Viking, who is their best corner. A lot of their, their secondary is young. Now, they do have – a, a stud at linebacker, and they've got a good defensive line, but all their all Stafford needs to do is run the ball. All the other Rams need to do is run the ball and play action off of that, and all of a sudden, the secondary for the Colts is exposed, and the Rams win this game. Once again, like I've done multiple times already, not comfortable with the points in this game. I'm going Rams money line, and I'm going with the under of 48.5. I the the Colts only scored 16 points against the Seattle defense. They're going up against the Rams defense, which is better. They're not putting up that many points. And I think the Colts give them a little bit of fits. And I think Stafford comes down a little bit from his his little his little holy grail moment of last week. So that's why I'm taking the under of 48 and a half. Next game, the game that everybody is talking about via social media right now. The Texans at the Browns. Listen, 
the Texans offense looked really good versus the ja- the Jacksonville Jaguars defense. Listen, the Browns offense looked good against the Chiefs defense. Stop. Everybody stop. Overreacts. Overreaction week one is surreal on the internet right now. And not even only on the on the only on the internet, but also in real life. People are going nuts right now overreacting to week one. Listen, it's week one. Okay? We're gonna see a lot of different things. This is the best place to bet. This is the best time to bet is week two of the NFL football season because everybody overreacts to week one and then all the teams kind of find their place. That's where I'm sticking and that's where my belief is in week two. The teams that are better will win this game and the teams that aren't better might cover. That's where if you're going to find one thing that's kind of a constant, maybe a few if a few uh, odd eggs out there in my picks, but that's what I, I'm kind of following right now. And Odell Beckham Jr. is out again. The knee is still not right. He's not going to be in the game. Listen, 12 and a half points is a lot of points. Listen, I'm not saying that the Texans are going to win this game. But what I'm not comfortable doing is taking the Browns minus 12 and a half. So my pick for this game is the Texans plus 12 and a half and the over. This is going to be a complete shootout. And it can go one of two ways. Either the Browns put up 50 and the Texans put up 14, or the Browns put up 40, and they let the Texans score a bunch of garbage time touchdowns. So that's why I'm obviously taking the over of 48. All right, moving on. The Browns at the Jaguars. One huge thing I'm taking out of this game is how does Trevor Lawrence and Urban Meyer do after a loss? Because right now, all the stuff coming out on Urban Meyer is that he can't, he's losing his mind, losing even preseason games, better yet, a regular season game. And he's getting mad at the team. He's getting mad at his own coaches that he hired. That's going to destroy his football team. And you know what else is destroying his football team? Not using James Robinson. Why is Carlos Hyde starting football games? Can someone tell me why, on God's green earth, you as a head football coach that knows football and has been a coach for 30 years, probably, even more, is starting Carlos Hyde, who's played for 17 different teams and is average at best over James Robinson, who had a top five fantasy statistic year last year. James Robinson got like like seven touches in that game. It's ridiculous. I drafted him in fantasy, which is why I'm so heated about this, but James Robinson's a better running back than Carlos Hyde. If you think that Carlos Hyde is better, I would love to see your criteria on telling me that because I will not buy it until I see something on paper that I haven't even thought of, which I don't think exists. So what, use James Robinson, please. He's He can catch the ball out of the backfield. He, he, he was a great running back everywhere he was at, at since he got drafted and even in college. Why is Why are they not using James Robinson? I'm so confused. The Broncos' defense, though, in this game – is going to be the answer, and they're going to shut down anything that the Jaguars thought was NFL football. The Bron- I think the Broncos are a top-five defense, maybe even top three. They're d- they didn't even play with Bradley Chubb. They did not even play with Bradley Chubb last week. Their secondary is amazing. Their front seven is stout. Their offensive weapons, minus Jerry Judy being out a month, a month and a half, still good with the tight end, the running back, room that they have they just drafted the rookie 
Javante Williams. Like they have a and Teddy Bridge, steady Teddy, not going to make mistakes. That's going to be a team to reckon with. I think they're the most underrated team right now that I wasn't even thinking about, which is my own problem. I wasn't even thinking about during the offseason. And that was honestly because I didn't even think about how that team would would build this defense and around Teddy Bridgewater that doesn't make huge mistakes. So with this game, I'm taking the Broncos money line because God only knows what Urban Meyer is going to pull out of his hat. And God only knows how Trevor Lawrence played based on the second half that he had against the Texans. I'm not putting too much into that, but I think he's going to be motivated in this game. Not comfortable taking the spread in this, but I'm taking the Broncos money line and I'm taking the under because the Broncos are not going to... I don't see the Broncos letting the Jaguars score more than 14 points. I don't see it happening. I see Trevor Lawrence throwing two touchdown passes, and that's all they get. And then the Broncos win the game by not scoring 31 to make the under of 45. All right, moving on. The Falcons at the Buccaneers. Tom Brady takes on the worst defense in the league. He's going to slice and dice them all day long, all day long. Uh, their offense looks like it's in slow motion. You guys ever, I don't know if you guys ever been, you've been drinking maybe like at a party or like a 4th of July picnic or something. And you get to that, you get to that, like that beer that breaks the, breaks the, I'm kind of tipsy from I'm drunk. That's what the Falcons look like on defense. They look like that. Everything's in slow motion. Like they think they're moving fast, but everybody's actually walking. That's what it looked like when I was watching the game in week one. That's what it felt like. It felt like I've reached my barrier of I'm no longer tipsy. I'm starting to get drunk. That's that. That's what I. That's what they look like on defense. Devontae Smith didn't even run hard to catch that fade route for that touchdown, and that was a safety on. It wasn't even a linebacker. It, it it's oh it's crazy. I I think the Falcons need to overhaul that whole thing. And I thought that Arthur Smith coming coming in at head coach. I thought he was gonna change it because of all the success he had in Tennessee. But it clearly, I don't, there's a miss, oh, I don't even know what's going on in Atlanta. If I was an Atlanta Falcons fan right now, just, just break it down. Break it down. The Berlin Wall in Germany, break it down. Get rid of it, rebuild it. Well, we didn't rebuild the Berlin Wall, but rebuild this team because they need to do something. Kyle Pitts didn't, didn't do as much as everybody thought he would. Calvin Ridley was having a rough day. Matt Ryan looked like he was getting sacked within two seconds of him sna- of them snapping the ball. And that's against the Philly defense. What are they going to do against the Buccaneers defense? This is going to be a this is going to be a shitstorm. Pardon my French, but jeez. And that's enough. The Bucks defense. Everybody's like, oh, it didn't look that good against Dallas. You want to compare Dallas's offense to the Atlanta Falcons offense? That's crazy. That's absolutely crazy. So I'm going with the Buccaneers minus twelve and a half. And I'm going with the over of 52 points. All right, next, we got the Vikings at the Cardinals. Listen, I'm going to do this unbiasedly coming from anybody that's not me as a Vikings fan. The offense needs to find momentum. And their offensive line needs to play better. I don't know how else to say it. Chandler Jones had five sacks last week. Five sacks. Against a Tennessee Titans team who has a better offensive line than the Vikings. The Vikings are in trouble if they play like they did last week. Now, I look at this game, and if you are looking at this game based on the way the Cardinals played and based on the way the Vikings played last week, the number, the spread looks extremely trap gamey. 
And by that, I mean I would have expected the Vikings to be at a 7.5, 8-point underdog. It's at 3.5 that could move to 4. What am I missing? Kyler Murray against a Vikings team that cannot play against mobile quarterbacks? They cannot play against mobile quarterbacks. Everybody has seen the clip of Michael Vick destroying and dicing up our own our our defense. I think it was in 2004, if I'm not mistaken. Because, yeah, I think it was the year that he, he was on the Madden cover. I think it was 2004. Dude, we cannot play. We cannot play running quarterbacks at all and not only that it destroys our defensive scheme because we have to take somebody make him a spy on Kyler it's it's just a joke and then they get lost and then he gets away anyway in the middle of the defense it's 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 not going to be good and what I'm looking at it's not going to be good however Vegas is normally right and anytime I see Vegas with a with a with a game like this it makes me think maybe somebody knows something that I don't so are the Cardinals gonna are the Cardinals gonna play like they did last week? I don't think so. I don't think that the Vikings defense compares to the Tennessee Titans defense. Their defense is terrible. They have no pass rush and their their cornerbacks are all young or in or just inexperienced in terms of NFL games played. So listen, there's a they have a lot of weapons. I know that they put up 38 against the Titans. They're not putting up 38 against us. Sorry, I say us like I'm part of the team. They're putting up thir- they ain't putting 38 against against the Vikings defense. So I'm going to go out on a limb here. Obviously, it would be very biased and BS of me to pick the Vikings money line in this game because I don't even think they're going to win, quite frankly. So, but I do believe in Vegas. So I am going to take the Vikings plus 4. I feel like they lose by a field goal. They either have the ball to kick a field goal at the end to tie it and miss it. Or they lose on another game-ending field goal. Honestly, and, and I wouldn't be surprised if it happened two weeks in a row. I've seen it before. I'll see it again. And then I'm going to take the under 50.5. Like I said, Kyler's not putting up 38, I don't think, against the Vikings defense. And I think I don't think the Vikings have the potential to have Kirk Cousins and Dalvin Cook get away from J.J. Watt and Chandler Jones on a regular basis. So I'm taking the under of 50.5. All right, moving on. Titans at the Seahawks. This is my biggest bet of the week. And this is the game that I think has the biggest potential to be way different than anything Vegas has picked. I think this is a Titans bounce back game. Now, I did just talk to my friend yesterday and he gave me three wide receivers to start in his fantasy football league. He gave me, ooh, what did he give me? He gave me Julio Jones, Antonio Brown, and, and Chase Claypool. And I gave him Chase Claypool and Antonio Brown to start because the Steelers are playing a piss-poor defense in the Raiders. And Antonio Brown is playing the Falcons defense. So if I go off on the Titans right now, it's I'm in theory going against what I said. But I don't believe that Julio Jones is going to go off as much as they are, even with those, that, those comments taken into consideration. But I think this is the Titans' bounce-back game. I think Derrick Henry runs hard in this game. The The Seattle front seven is overrated in terms of the way they played week one. The Carson Wentz couldn't figure it out. It seemed like him and Frank Reich were on the wrong page in terms of play calls. It just didn't look right in Indy. It didn't look right last week. And that's why the Seattle defense looks better than they are. But I think Mike Vrabel coaches them through this win. Sorry. Either through this narrow margin win or at least they cover in this game. 
Seattle's defense will look vulnerable depending on how they, because Derrick Henry's going to look so good, that play action's going to be there, and I don't think that any secondary in the league, if Derrick Henry's rolling, can keep up with A.J. Brown and Julio Jones, not to mention everybody, every other piece that they have with their tight ends and running backs, so... Honestly, my pick in this is the Titans plus six and a half. If you feel as strong as you, as strong more strong than I do, even though I'm considering taking the Titans money line in this game, but I would advise taking the Titans plus six and a half. You're basically almost getting a whole touchdown. Take the touchdown. You don't if you don't need the points, you just take them anyway. And then I'm gonna go with the over of 54 and a half. This is gonna be a bloodbath shootout. Because if Seattle gets exposed, the Titans defense can walk in anywhere and be exposed. So I'm definitely taking the over. 54 and a half is high, but guess what? I'm willing to take it. All right, moving on. Cowboys at the Chargers. This is going to be the best game for me to watch the entire on the slate the entire weekend. The Cowboys are going to get absolutely obliterated. Demarcus Lawrence and Randy Gregory, both of their starting right, right, right and left ends are both out. Demarcus Lawrence broke his foot. He's out two months. One and a half to two months. And Randy Gregory has COVID. So unless he somehow comes out of the COVID protocol, but Randy Gregory can't carry that defense to get pressures. There's no way. They're going to look silly. They're going to look silly trying to cover Justin Herbert. Herbert's going to roll. Tell me who's covering Austin Eckler, Keenan Allen, and Mike Williams. Tell me who on the on the Cowboys defense is doing that. Not a single person, I'll answer for you. Not a single person is covering them. There's no way. And if you have any of those players in fantasy, you are going to love this to watch this game. Austin Eckler, Keenan Allen, and Mike Williams, hot take, will have at least 75 points in fantasy combined. So that's 20, average of 25 each. Probably the lowest would be Mike Williams, and I can only see him going at the, the low 20s. But, listen, I think that the Cowboys are going to be destroyed, and I think that the defense of the Chargers is going to keep Dak in check enough to take the under in this game. I, I think Dak plays well, but I don't think they score more than 21. So, my pick in this game is Chargers minus 3.5. I think they win by 7 to – between 7 and 14, honestly. So, if you have the opportunity to take an alternate spread in this game, I would, and I'm considering it as well. I would take an alternate alternate spread of 10 because you'll probably be able to get good odds, maybe five, maybe seven to one odds. So see if you can get between five to seven to one odds. I would take an alternate spread. But if you're not doing that and you're just taking the regular line, I would take Chargers minus three and a half. And like I said, they're going to win by 10. So a perfect score for this game would be 31-21. Dak has three touchdowns. Zeke doesn't do anything in this game. There's no way. He looks terrible. I don't see him coming out of it. So I'm taking the under of 54 and a half. Moving on. Chiefs at the Ravens. Lamar Jackson is winless against Mahomes since he's been drafted into the league. There's a reason. The Chiefs always find a way to beat the Ravens, and they're all in different ways. It's not always the same. Oh, it's a bloodbath shootout. They get turnovers in the right spots. Their defense shows up in a big spot. So even if Tyron Matthew doesn't show up in this game, I still think that they get it done. So the Ravens' defense gave up almost, honestly, gave up 500 yards to the Raiders last last Monday night. They gave up 500 yards to the Raiders. To the Raiders. 
What the hell is Mahomes going to do if you give up 500 yards to the Raiders? Mahomes should theoretically throw for 800 yards and seven TDs. Theoretically. I don't think that actually happens, but, and they're just decimated. The Ravens are just decimated in the, in, on defense, which is why they're giving up all these points. Marcus Peters not being out there is a huge deal. And I don't think that they addressed, they didn't address the losses that they had on defense from last season and they didn't replace them well. They just didn't. That's just, that's just, that's just the truth. That's just, it just happened. So honestly, and this is a take that I've been wanting to say for a while. I was dabbling on futures a few weeks ago on DraftKings. And honestly, if you guys take the over in every Chiefs game for the whole season, I think that you win the parlay. I think that if you parlay every game from now until the end of the season, which is a 16-game parlay, take the over in every Chiefs game. It feels like every Chiefs game goes one of two ways. They blow out a team. Like completely blow them out. Like score 40. It's like 45 to 14 and they let them score two garbage time touchdowns. Or their defense is just terrible in the game and Mahomes just keeps them in it. So the score is just matched back and forth. I've watched a million Chiefs games and seen it 5,000 times. So if you guys want to dabble in that, you could do a few. You could do them all. I mean, I'm thinking about dabbling in it because a 16-game parlay with every Chiefs over, the over-unders are always, like, that. at the worst, minus 115. That's got to be, like, 250, 300 to 1. It's crazy. I would, I would consider it, and I'm considering making that bet right now as a future because I don't think – I can't remember the last time the Chiefs did not get the over. All right, last game, Monday Night Football. Lions at the Packers. I told everybody already, and I don't just feel this way because I'm biased because I hate the Packers. I think genuinely for the last time, so that no one thinks I'm biased, I think generally that the Packers organization has been affected by the way Aaron Rodgers has handled this all this bullshit. It's affecting the team. Now, they may not be saying it on social media. They may not be saying it to the NFL media. And they may not be acting like it around Aaron. But I think that they all know he's going to leave. And I think they all know that they're all, they all are not going to leave at the same time to go with him if they like him that much. So it's almost like, it's almost like they don't care. And I watched the game against the Saints. I saw the first quarter and a half, and I just watched their drives. It doesn't look like they care. The offensive line is worse, way worse than I thought it was. I would have called this out way in the offseason if I expected this. Corey Lindsley out. David Bakhtiari still not back. He's on IR. I don't think he comes. He, he's even able to come back. I think they're projecting him out week seven. They better, they better figure this out now. I'm coming out kind of hot against the Packers. I, I'm not saying that they're going to lose to the Lions at home. That's not what I'm saying, but they don't look good. They look off. Aaron Rodgers can go on Pat McAfee all he wants and say that there's no issues, blah, 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 blah. Everything's good. Everything's good. We just need to go bounce back, blah, blah, blah. He doesn't seem like he cares. He just seems like it's, oh, I'm only here because I'm I'm here. Like he doesn't, he doesn't, I feel like he doesn't care. And if your team doesn't care, Sorry, if your quarterback doesn't care, honestly, your team's going to suffer. And I think that the team's starting to realize that. They don't think he cares, so they're not trying as hard. Whether it's subliminal or inadvertent 
or they're doing it on purpose. I just, I don't know. I don't obviously don't think they're trying to fix games like Paul Crew from the fucking longest yard, but I don't know. It just doesn't look like they're trying. And this is honestly going to be a game that I really want to watch, even though I work really early on, on weekdays. So it's going to be hard for me to stay up that late. But I am going to take the Lions plus 12. I think that this game's closer than people give it. They're gonna. The, everyone's saying that the Packers are going to come out and obl- obliterate them. I don't think so. And even so, we've seen what happens to the Lions when they're down by a lot. They're going to fight back via Dan Campbell. Dan Campbell motivated this team to fight all the time. And whether the players are good or not, their motivation, their perseverance, and their fight in the, in the game against the 49ers cannot go un, un, not talked about. Like we got to talk about it. And, I, and if nobody else is going to talk about the Lions, I will. Because even in they're in my division, like I don't care. There's a lot of fight in that team. Jared Goff came out and, and took a lot of big hits for that team. He brought them back and almost brought them back to a tie game. Being down by 20-plus points with two minutes left. So I'm, I'm taking the Lions plus 12, and I'm taking the over. I'm taking the over. It's going to be an, all, an old school shootout. And I would love to watch most of it if I can stay awake that long. All right, guys, that's all the games. That's all the spreads that I would take and the over-unders I would take. Appreciate it once again for all you guys listening. Uh, Just to recap again, to let you guys know, I will be making a Facebook post to promote the three podcasts for this week. I'm going to make a post weekly just so everybody can go back in the feed if they missed one. But I'm going to do podcasts Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Uh, The Monday podcasts are going to cover the recap of the previous week we're going to go over the games kind of see what i thought uh some weird storylines stuff like that and basically just a recap of the previous week wednesday we're going to go through the wednesday podcast we're going to go through the injuries we saw and some of the fantasy football things and maybe some news uh anything weird going on that i kind of have a a take on and that's not necessarily would be nfl just going to be like a new segment uh within that podcast but that's that, that'll always change. The other two won't. The injuries in the fantasy football. And then Friday, uh, like today's show, will be a preview for the next week. And we will go over the Thursday night football game from the day before as well. So just, just giving you guys a heads up of what to expect. Uh, if I throw out a bunch of random episodes in between, maybe on a Tuesday or Thursday or on the weekend, I'll try and throw out a Facebook post. But uh, just make sure you guys are checking the feed uh, to check and see if you missed any episodes. Uh, please catch up. Uh, so it's not it's not like just because it's week three, you can't watch a week, uh, listen to a week one podcast. But I appreciate you guys uh, listening, sharing the podcast uh, for on whatever podcast platform you listen to. I appreciate it. There, I'm up on most podcast platforms, so anywhere that you could that you could listen to podcasts, please do share it on social media, share it via word of mouth, anything to get to get it out there. I really would appreciate it. Uh, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. You can leave a review as well. If you guys are listening on anything else with no review page or no option to review, uh, please leave me a review on my Facebook page in my direct messages. Uh, that's my name's Cole Hate, obviously, but it's C O L E H A Y D as in dog, T as in Tom. Find me on Facebook, shoot me a DM, let me know what you think about the podcast. I really appreciate any and all feedback from you guys. So thank you so much once again. Let's get ready for week two. If your team lost in week one, I hope you win this week. If your team won in week one, 
I hope you win again, and I hope nobody continues to lose. So that's that's my genius Buddha advice for all you football fans out there. So, all right, guys, this is uh, me signing off, and like I always say, peace.